Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. I was looking at NBA futures this morning. The Golden State Warriors are plus 5,500 right now on DraftKings to win the title. So if you believe in them, that's a big number. And Denver, I have Denver as my championship favorite, and they're still the second best odds on DraftKings right now at plus 450. So lots of good NBA bets to look at over the course of the end of the season. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no sweat bet per new customer issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. We got some fun stuff to talk about today, um, obviously including the Dubs win streak. Uh, we got a lot going on. All-Star Weekend predictions. Uh, there are some fun things going on. Also, we need to talk about the All-Star Weekend because I got a couple things to say. And I know because of what happened last year, everybody will be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. We'll get to that. Uh, however, we are live on the Bleacher Report app. So everybody here from... from through the Bleacher Report app. We appreciate you. Much love and welcome to the Draymond Green Show. Um, We're going to get into some stuff. Uh, Throw some questions in the chat, by the way. Jackson will get those over to me. 
Uh, later in the show, we'll do a mailbag section. So throw those questions in. And then also, everyone, please make sure you go subscribe to the Draymond Green Show YouTube page at youtube.com slash at Draymond Green Show. We love our Turner family, our volume family for the support. I uh, appreciate all you for making this happen. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, the Dubs, five-game win streak. Big win over the Suns on Saturday. Uh, big win yesterday over the Utah Jazz. We beat the uh, Jazz 129-107. to um, Jackson has on our rundown. That was a huge game for the play-in standings. And quite frankly, I feel like that's a shot because – um, for those of you on the Bleacher Report app that has not been subscribers of the Draymond Green show, you may not know that Jackson is a Boston Celtics fan. Uh, Jackson and I has been working together for three years now, um, which if you can do basic math, uh, it takes you back beyond the NBA Finals um, when we smacked the Boston Celtics and Jackson being a Boston Celtics fan. So he throw little jabs in here. All the time. Like, huge game for the play-in standards. Like, bro, huge it's, game. It's huge fi- game. It's 50 games into the season. There's still 32 games left to, or 31 games left to be played or something like that. 51 games. Relax yourself. Um, but, however, what were some takeaways from this game? Number one, uh, it was good to see Clay have a good game. Uh, to see Clay get back on track. Um, you know, have the game that he did after, you know, last couple games not playing down the stretch and all the noise that's been surrounding him really all year and free agency and not having a deal done and blah, blah, blah. Um, As I've always said, Clay is a very, very resilient person. Uh, Number one, you don't come back from an ACL injury and Achilles injury if you're not resilient. Uh, You don't win four championships if you're not resilient and and be a key cog in winning those championships. If you're not resilient, you don't score 60 points in a quarter, uh, in three quarters. If you're not resilient, you don't score 37 in a quarter if you're not resilient. And quite frankly, you are not Klay Thompson if you're not resilient. And so to see him have the game that he had uh, last night with all the chatter and stuff, I thought it was good. Um, And then I also thought it was beautiful and just how patient he was. He didn't force anything. He let the game come to him. If they ran him off the line, he stepped in and took some twos. Um, And I thought, you know, that was really key. He got a couple layups to start the game. He hit the three. He got a fast break layup. Uh, Start the second half, he got another layup, you know. So I think it was good for him early on just to see the ball go through the rim. You know, and then uh, Steph Curry made a very key call. And in the second half that I think really unlocked Clay, And that was, uh, we ran this play called Oklahoma where it's a double screen. Uh, then Clay goes in. Uh, so Clay's the first screener. I'm the second screener. Steph comes off both screens. And then I pin in for Clay, And Clay came in and hit the three. And he was like, yes! Like, crazy fist pump. Maybe even been like a double. Ah! And um, and from there, it was just kind of flowing for him. Like, and I thought that was a huge call by Steph. Uh, it's also funny because I'm not even sure J.K. and Wiggs really even know what that play is. It's like an old play that we had from way back in the day. And when Steph called it, he'd just say it to me, and I'd be like, Clay, Clay, come here, right here. And, and so us three will know we're running, and we just tell Steph and Wiggs, uh, Steph, I mean, excuse me, 
Wiggs and JK, hey, man, just go to the corner. Go to the corner. <laughs> and we run the play. And I think that's just funny. Um, because, number one, it's just how long we've been playing together. That, Like, oftentimes we'll call plays that's not really in the playbook this year, but that we know. Uh, that we've run once upon a time. And it's always funny putting guys in positions that ha- obviously hasn't been there all the years um, and just kind of telling them, yo, go stand there. But uh, that was a little funny funny nugget from last night's game. Um, <clears throat> Steph, 27 threes in his last three games. That is the fifth time in Steph's career that he scored 27 threes over a three-game period. Now, interestingly enough, we all feel like Steph has been shooting the lights out of it, right? It is actually his worst shooting percentage on threes out of the five times at 56%. <laughs> and Steph doesn't cast a, a few threes a game. He's at 56%, 56.1%. Um, one year he was at, I mean, one time he was at 58%. Another time, 59%. Another time, 62%. And one time at 65%. Over three games, making 27 threes at 65% clip. So sorry, Steph, you're falling off, brother. Uh, Father time is catching up to you. And 56% is just not acceptable. When you said, it's funny because I was on the bus. uh, Raymond Ritter was showing us that stat. And it really just threw me for a loop, loop because it took me to a place. When you set the standards so high for yourself, it's actually insane. What Steph Curry is doing, we've actually only seen one other person in NBA history do what Steph Curry is doing, which is playing at this level this late in the career. Kobe, Kobe was still going, but not quite at the level that Steph is at. Um, you know, MJ... Obviously, won an NBA Finals is his last year. I'm not counting Washington. Y'all can count Washington all y'all want to. I'm not counting Washington. I'm talking about Chicago. MJ obviously won the Finals um, his last year in Chicago. However, if I'm not mistaken, that was year 14. Um, Steph is now in year 16 and still playing at the level that he's playing at. The only other player that's ever done that in NBA history is LeBron James. So in that category, those two are in a league of their own. And it's, it's, it's funny because someone asked me, they was like, well, why do you think that is? And I was like, well, every now and then there's a blueprint set. And we've seen LeBron do this. And so then you're Steph and you're like, of course I'm doing that, right? Like those guys have been going back and forth in NBA finals and stuff over the years throughout their tenures, uh, their tenures in the NBA. Of course I'm doing that. And so it's just a totally different thing. And I think, you know, um, just to watch Steph night in and night out, he couldn't, he didn't have it going last night. He missed some or some threes early that, quite frankly, he easily could make. And then he found it in the fourth quarter and an onslaught and just put the symptom night night, uh, as you all know, he he likes to do. But um I run out of words for Steph. He's he's absolutely incredible. Uh, J.K. had 14 points last night, and I'm mentioning that because I said to J.K. during after the first quarter, like, "All right, you had a bad quarter, but the greats don't. They don't keep it going. Like the greats, they they have a bad quarter and they bounce back." And I just thought he wasn't as aggressive 
as he has been. And for me, that don't work. Uh, we need him aggressive at all times. And you're allowed to have not a great game. By the way, he didn't have a bad game. So I'm not going to act like he had a bad game. But guess what? We're talking about standards, right? We're talking about the standard that Steph Curry has set for himself. The standard that Jonathan Kaminga has set for himself, to me, 20 and above every night. 14 is good for me. 14 ain't good for him. That's the expectation that he's set, and I'm going to hold him to that expectation. Why? Because he's more than capable. Um, his growth has been absolutely amazing. Uh, the pressure that he puts on the rim is absolutely incredible, and he's unlocked this team's potential uh, by unlocking his potential, and it's, it's been absolutely beautiful to see. Uh, so I am expecting a huge game from J.K. Uh, against the against the Clippers tomorrow night. Uh, because he didn't have a great game and yet and still uh, 31 games and double figures in a row for a third-year guy uh, just shows you what you're dealing with uh, because those 31 games also extends further back to him saying, like, oh, I don't feel like I'm reaching my potential and I don't feel like I'm getting the opportunity. That extends back past that too. So just to give you some perspective of how good of a scorer this young dude actually is, it's absolutely Incredible. Uh, <clears throat> moving on from the Jazz game and rewinding a little bit back before the Super Bowl to the Phoenix Sun game. That was a fun game. Uh, that was a fun game because, A, it was a big game. It's, you know, a Saturday night before the Super Bowl. That's prime time. Um, it's the Phoenix Suns coming in here. Uh, obviously, the whole thing with me getting suspended against the Phoenix Suns and little guy. Um, yeah, the little guy uh, and all of that stuff. And so, you know, there was a buildup to this game. It's my first time seeing them since that happened and blah, blah, blah. And then it's also their first time seeing this Dubs team. So they've seen this before, but this is their first time seeing this Dubs team. And so I thought, um, you know, the game lived up to to what, Everyone thought it would do. Uh, everyone thought it would be. Uh, Steph Curry, again, his heroics, um, knocking that shot down. I I knew it was money as soon as it left his hand. You could just tell he got the look he wanted. He knew it. He kind of started doing this little turn, not turning all the way, but you could tell it was money. Such an incredible shot. However, what was what was more pleasing than even the shot was that we were actually able to finish it off this time. Uh, he's hit that shot, not that particular one, but he's hit big shots all year, and we haven't been able to close the deal a lot of the times. And so it was huge to actually close the deal. And we had to do that with not one, but two defensive stops. And um, I thought that was uh, that was fulfilling because it shows the growth. Uh, of this team. You know, we've been getting in this situation and giving up a bucket. Uh, Wiggs, who I thought made a very good play on the game, usually not a call that's called at the end of the game, a free ball in there, knock the ball down, call a foul. However, we had a foul to give. And then they try to throw it over the top, over me to KD. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, interestingly enough um, I knew that they were going to try to go to KD, which is why I switched the matchups and put myself on KD that last um, that last possession. And, 
you know, uh, I saw a few people saying, oh, that was contact, like marginal contact. Uh, my hands are straight up. I'm vertical. I get ball and game over. Uh, but that was a fun game. Following that game, <clears throat> the little guy goes in the media. And the little guy goes in the media and he says, I take my words back. He doesn't deserve another chance. It's only a matter of time before he hits someone else. And quite frankly, I would love to know, why is it only a matter of time before I hit someone else? Because I've destroyed him? Because what in that game that happened with me would make you say something like that other than getting embarrassed because you're just not good enough? You're not good enough offensively. You have Steph Curry on post-ups and you got nothing. Um, quite frankly, outweighs me by 80 pounds and six inches taller than me. That's one thing. Outweighs Steph Curry by about 120 pounds and about nine inches taller than him and could not score on him on, on the block. Um, towers over Clay by about five inches, outweighs Clay by about 90 to 100 pounds, could not score on Clay Thompson on the block. Little guy tries to post up, tries to back me down, only to shoot a hook shot from the dotted, not the restricted area, from the dotted line in the paint, which means you made no progress on getting towards the rim. Shoots a nasty hook shot for his sixth point of the game, which is his last point of the game, and desires to decides to do an overtly too small celebration. Slapping the floor, the whole thing. And quite frankly, you're just not good enough to do things like that. Um, I watched that same little guy play against someone not long before us, <clears throat> and they shot a three, and he stood under the rim and waved at him and got the rebound. And quite frankly, <clears throat> you see clowns like that do things like that. And it's actually very disrespectful to the game. It's disrespectful to the player that you're doing it to. And so the clown, then I catch the ball on the block. And the clown decides to kind of turn his body towards me. All right, well, bring your chest here. Because now your shoulder should meet my chest. You should get put in the rim. And then that's what happened. Oh, and by the way. We all can do the little slap the floor too small celebration. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... There's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday... You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The little guy then goes, like I said, went into the media complaining. Like, I did something to him as if he didn't do the too small celebration. And then he starts to question my character. What a coward. You go questioning character about a basketball game that you just lost, that you got destroyed. And the only thing you should talk about is how you got punished. 15-9 and 7. 15-7 and 9. You finish with a measly 6-6 and 4. Four assists is a bright spot for him, so I'll give him that. Um, But six and six. And then you go to the media and cry like that. By the way, they call a foul on me in the first quarter. My first foul. He then turns to me and starts talking as if I did anything wrong to him other than try to prevent him from posting me up. You know, the guy that outweighs me is never in good shape. Uh, it's hampered him his entire career. Guy outweighs me by 100 pounds. And he's upset like that. I, well, am I not supposed to hold my ground? And he starts talking. Okay, we both can talk. Say a couple words back. And then he's in his feelings the rest of the game. He then starts throwing cheap shots. When I'm rebounding the ball, Anything, he throws little cheap shots. I don't react. He fouled me on the fake handoff. I fall over. He stand over me. I don't react. I just get up because we're not paying attention to the little guys. Um, And, yeah, that's what happened. Very, I, I, I must say, not very surprised that he went to the media and said what he said because that's the same guy that laid out on the floor um, when I made contact, bro, you 300 pounds. Get up off the floor, bro. 
if he actually didn't lay out on the floor like that, I actually don't get the suspension that I got, probably. But dude laid out like he was dead. That same guy then goes and say he doesn't deserve another chance. How, bro? What an embarrassment. And they expect to win with that guy. Really. And so, um, I don't know. I thought it was really whack to go questioning my character because I destroyed you on a basketball court. But quite frankly, I'm a four-time All-Star, four-time champion. I should destroy you on a basketball court. You are infamously known for getting traded to get you out the way of Joker so Joker can become who we all known him to become. It's no surprise there. I remember the days that the Denver Nuggets was trying to start him and Joker. All right, let's get the bum out of here because he's in the way of this guy. He's in the way of the MVP of the NBA. Let's get him out of here. And so, yeah, I should do that to you. It's no surprise there. Like, and yeah, so just to go questioning my character, I thought was whack. But like guys, guys are making a habit out of that. Um, him and Kevin questioned my character before. You know, as if you go question somebody's character about a basketball game as if it's not real life, as if that don't affect people's pockets. Like, I think all of it was really cowardly, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah, I did what I did. I take my stuff on the chin. We have spoke about that. I still stand on that. I meant every word I said about it. But if you want to know the truth about that, I think all of it was cowardly. I think, you know, you start going to question somebody's character in front of the whole world, it's why. So I think they all whack, both of them, if you want my honest opinion. Um, but that's that. Uh, everybody was questioning what I said to KD um, at the end of the game. This is me. It's me. And um, I'm not going to share the other word that I said because, you know, that's a spur of the moment type of thing. You're in the game. And, um, you know, words come out. But this is me. I do this. Been doing this. Gonna keep doing this, which is the same thing I said in that Clippers game years ago. Been winning championships, been doing this, gonna keep doing this when you leave here. Didn't lie. Got fined the whole game check, which was like $160,000 for saying that. Fast forward, wasn't a lie, you know, but <clears throat> that's what I said, you know, and all of that was a little brewed up, a little, little built up tension because, again, you go question somebody's character, you got my phone number. If you thought I hope I get the help that I need, you got my phone number, hit me and say that. So like I said, I thought it was all cowardly, and that's where those emotions came from. I, I, I'm a four-time NBA champion. No regular season game really gets me that like hype to win a regular season game, but it's a little added tension there. Because guys want to go question character. And then, like I said, to top it all off, the little guy goes and question character um, just because you got destroyed. So I'm done with it. Uh, we're moving on. That's that. Um, two more games before the All-Star break. Uh, we have the Clippers tomorrow at home. And then we got a back-to-back makeup game. Uh, R.I.P. Decky makeup game in Utah on Thursday before we go into the break. How important are these games? Games are very important. Uh, we always talk about you want to roll into the All-Star break, not stumble into the All-Star break. Um, and you want to go into the All-Star break feeling good about yourself. One thing we always talk about in NBA is the most beautiful thing about the NBA, you have a bad game, there's another game tomorrow. And with the All-Star break, 
you really want to win going into the All-Star break because you got to feel, you're going to feel that, like, your break. You're going to be thinking about that. And so a win always feels better. And I also think for us, obviously, we're where we are in the standards. We don't have games to give away. So it's very important uh, that we close these two games strong and hopes, hopefully we come out with two wins. Um, that is ideal. That's what we're looking forward to doing. Uh, obviously, the Clippers is a very, very tough game, and then you're going in back into Utah uh, on short rest, altitude, the whole thing. It's going to be a tough game as well. Uh, however, I think we're capable of winning both of those games, uh, but you know it's going to require us to put a great 48 minutes of basketball together. Uh, the Clippers just lost it, uh, uh, to last night to the Timberwolves, so you know they're going to come in pissed off. Um, they'll take it out on us. We got to make sure that we're ready to meet that force with force um, against a very good Los Angeles Clippers team. And then, like I said, head on out to Utah and make sure we close it out the right way uh, to head into our All-Star break. And then we'll come out of the All-Star break on the back-to-back with the Lakers at home and then Charlotte at home. And so uh, it's a good, you know, tough, tough time. Uh, dog days, obviously, you, you get there, you kind of see the all-star break right there, and you're kind of reaching out for it, and it's not quite there yet. You know, so a uh, good time in the schedule for us, though. I think we're putting it together. Uh, the, like I said before, the growth has been there, and we need to lock lock in on these last two games. Uh, let's get into all-star weekend before we get into the mailbag part of this episode. Uh, my predictions for the big two events. Number one, the slam dunk contest. First off, let's talk about the slam dunk contest. Matt McClung, a uh, former teammate of mine, went to camp with us, defending champ. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. Jaime Jaquez of the Miami Heat. And Jacob Toppin. Jacob Toppin, Obi Toppin's younger brother, who plays in the G League. Now, Matt McClung won the dunk contest last year. And I thought it was great that Mac McClung was in it. I think he brought a, a different excitement back to the dunk contest. <clears throat> and I thought it was great. Now Jacob Toppin is in there. There's a, there's a Toppin in the NBA. Y'all could have had that Toppin in there, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. But what brings me, what, what, what I'm getting at here is, like, can you kind of call it the same NBA dunk contest that Dr. J and Michael Jordan and um, Jason Richardson, Saginaw's own, Sparty, um, Dominique Wilkins, Human Highlight Reel? Like, can we actually call this the same dunk contest that those guys were in? Because it'd essentially be the equivalent of, like, having – those guys and, like, players who were playing the CBA in the same dunk contest. Like, is it actually the same thing? And are there no other dunkers in the NBA that could be out there that you have to – people in G League? Because we played against the Indiana Pacers last week, and Obi Toppin actually said to me, like, man, I'm trying to get in there. Like, if, if Jalen drop out, I'm, I want that spot. And so I just kind of wondered about that. Like, that's interesting to me. Um, and I know, you know, the G League is is way different than what it used to be. Uh, even the Rising Star game, you got, like, players from the G League Ignite, um, which I also think is interesting there. But 
I don't know. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I don't really know where I'm going with it. I just think it's interesting. And if you have to keep going G League route, is it time to do away with the dunk contest as a whole? Is it time to get more creative? Rick Welts, um, who's the president of the Warriors my entire career until maybe the last two years, who was a key cog in creating what All-Star Weekend is as we know it today. Um, is it time to get back creative, go back to the drawing board and figure out the things out if you kind of have to go to the G League to get dunkers for the dunk contest? I don't know. Do you have to raise the money so that guys, like it's worth my time to go do it? I don't know. Um, me personally, I say raise the money because I'm all for guys getting that paper. But I just don't know quite how I feel about guys from the G League being in the NBA dunk contest. Because if I'm not mistaken, well, I, I'm not mistaken because Dark Tucker from Saginaw won it before. There used to be a G League dunk contest. And so I'm not sure if they still have a G League dunk contest or not. But I don't know. I just think that's a weird thing. Like, you can't go being, just be an all-star game. So why can't you just go be in a dunk contest? It's all-star weekend. So that's something that's a little, little funny to me. And saying that uh, my winner is Mac McClung. Uh, he's going to have the fans. The fans going to be behind him. Uh, <clears throat> he's the shortest guy out of all these guys, so his dunk is going to look sicker because that's just how it goes. And so I'm picking Mac McClung in the dunk contest. Three-point contest contestants, Damian Lillard, the defending champ, Malik Beasley, his teammate, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, first-time All-Stars, Laurie Markkinen, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Trey Young. <clears throat> that all-star um, and that three-point contest is cool, and that's good, but the one everybody is looking for comes after that, which is Steph versus Sabrina. In the normal dunk contest, I mean, sorry, three-point contest, I am going to roll with a final of Damian Lillard versus Carl Anthony Towns. My dark horse in that group, though, is Tyrese Halliburton. And why I'm going Tyrese Halliburton and Kyle Anthony Towns, because they don't jump on their shot. Um, they are quick release. They stay on the ground. And picking that ball up off the rack and not jumping, it's a different when you got to pick the ball at the rack and jump. Like, that's so many different motions. When you're just picking up off the rack and fire, Carl, boom, uh, Halliburton, his shot, you know. And then dollars, obviously, dollar. Um, so Tyrese Halliburton is a dark horse, but I got in my final Damian Lillard versus Carl Anthony Towns with Damian Lillard being Dame and repeating as the champion. And then we go down to Steph and Sabrina. Interestingly enough, the world is all kind of like, what? Clay picked Sabrina over Steph? Of course Clay picked Sabrina over Steph. Clay needles Steph every chance he gets. If you're ever around... If you ever can see all of us interact with those, it's constantly Clay just poking at Steph. Like, it's almost like your little brother just trying to poke at you, like, every chance that he gets. And so I am not at all surprised that Clay picked Sabrina. Um, Sabrina did break the record last year. I think she missed one three. However, that stage gets a lot brighter, a lot bigger when you are up against the GOAT Steph Curry, and that's just a little bit different. Um, Sabrina will be shooting from the WNBA line with the WNBA ball. Steph will be shooting with an NBA, from the NBA line with an NBA ball. 
I quite frankly myself think Sabrina should also be shooting from the NBA line because those three feet do make a difference. And you're essentially saying, I'm as good a shooter or better as Steph Curry in these contests. And so I personally think Sabrina should be at the NBA line. Nonetheless, I'm looking forward to it. I got Steph, of course. Um, no need for me to needle Clay's done it enough. Um, I got Steph. I got the GOAT. That's who I'm rolling with. Before we get out of here, Jackson, we I know we have some mailbag questions. Do you want to throw some of those out at me, my friend? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First, let's go with from at Ian Anderson. I'm from Michigan and a big state fan. How has Tom Izzo, how's Tom Izzo's coaching affected your career? Uh, Tom Izzo's coaching is a key reason of who I am today. Tom Izzo taught me how to work hard, um, what it meant to work hard, what it meant to be a pro, what it meant to uh, compete at the highest level and and taught me how to do it. Uh, you know, so oftentimes we grow up, we think we're working hard and you really have no clue what hard work is. And Tom Izzo challenged me on that. Uh, Tom Izzo challenged me on toughness. You cannot be a player for Tom Izzo and not have toughness. And so to have to live up to that every single day, bring a certain toughness, it becomes a part of you. Uh, it becomes a part of who you are and you embody that. And, and and quite frankly, I think my toughness is a skill. And that skill was obviously, there. there's some of that that comes from growing up in Saginaw, Michigan, the way I grew up, uh, playing at the high school that I played at. But then Tom Izzo enhanced that. And so Tom Izzo is huge in my career. Also, every time that I've had trouble, um, Tom Izzo is right there for me. So a great friend. Um, father figure, coach, the whole nine, and then also just the X's and O's that he taught me. Um, the love that he gave. Coaches, coaches, and in, in most NCAA coaches aren't capable of doing that. So very important to say the least. All right, next one. I know the answer to this question, but I don't know if you've talked about it on the pod before. Connected to, to uh, Coach Izzo. Uh, from at... Alumutil, yo Draymond, I see you being a coach after you retire. Can you speak to that? No, you don't. <laughs> no, you do not. I have no interest in coaching. Uh, the reason I have no interest in coaching is because I've been on a basketball schedule my entire life. I actually look forward to, you know, when I am done playing, of not being on a basketball schedule anymore. The schedule is tough, it's brutal. Um, and I've been on it my entire life. Like in turn, you miss certain things. And like, I don't want to sound like crazy privileged, but like, I love to travel. Like, I want to go see Australia one day and like experience Australia. When we're allowed to travel, it, it's cold in Australia. I, I don't, I spend enough time in the cold traveling to these East Coast cities during our season. The last thing I want to do is go to Australia for their winter. And so it's things like that, you know, it's friends' birthdays, it's kids' birthdays, it's time with your family, it's, events at your kid's school, all of the things that you miss, families, like family time, like my extended family, you know, not just my family that lives with me in my home. Like you, all the things that you miss. And so I'm just not sure I want to be on a basketball schedule when I'm done playing. I actually, I'm, I am sure I don't want to be on a basketball schedule when I'm done playing. 
And so now, and speaking of being on a basketball schedule my entire life, coaches' schedule is even worse. They got to watch a bunch of film. They got a bunch of meetings. They get there way earlier. They got all these things, putting game plans together, blah, blah, blah. Watching film after the game, like, because the film needs to be ready for the next morning. Like, their schedule is worse. So, on summer league, I go on vacation. They stick around. They're doing some. I mean, during the summer, I go on vacation. They're sticking around. They're doing summer league with guys. They're doing summer workout with young guys. I'm sorry, but I don't want that schedule. Now, who knows where life takes you, but as it stands right now, I have zero interest in coaching when I'm done playing. I'm sorry, but it's just not quite what I see in the cards for me. But I appreciate the compliment because you're essentially calling me smart. Thank you. <laughs> we'll do one more question. Thank you to everyone for the questions. Uh, we will be taking questions every time we go live on the BR app. So this will not be the last time to get your questions in. Last one for today um, from at G Mooney. Who in the NBA now would, do you think has a similar game to you? You can take that whatever type of way you want. Who in the NBA now do I think have a similar game to me? BP. Young Draymond. You like a young Draymond out there. <laughs> um, Who in the NBA has a similar game to me? I don't know if I'll quite say similar because I think there's different things that I do that kind of embodies a couple different people. You know, like this guy may do this, but not quite that. You know, or like he may excel in this area that I excel in, but not quite over there. Um, <clears throat> but what I will tell you is this, as opposed to, and I'm sorry to not fully answer your exact question, but someone who I watch, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch him much this year, but especially last year, who I think could be like a version of me in a totally different way is Tari Eason. Um, got great size, great length, physical, uh, can dribble the ball, can shoot the ball, can make a play, smart, um, doesn't back down from anybody. Now, can Tari Eason go guard a five or play the five? I'm not sure he can do that. But, like, I think Tari Eason, um, if I looked at someone, I'm like, he could he could potentially grow into and do a lot of things that I do. I would say if I had to point to one person, I'm like, I think it can be that. I think Tyrese. I think uh, I'm a big, big fan of his. And like I said, haven't gotten a chance to watch him much this year. Uh, but last year, uh, that's the point person I'll say. Um, but that's a wrap from the mailbag questions uh, for the episode, which brings us to the end of our first live show on the BR app. As Jackson just said, this is not our last one, and every time we do this, there will be mailbag questions, and we took three this time, so next time I'll take four. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Draymond Green Show YouTube channel. Uh, we have a really fun interview coming later this week. I think you all will enjoy. Check that out. Until next time, that's a wrap from the Draymond Green Show. Peace.
I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.